Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today Replay on C103. Hoping we find each and every one of you in good form or that you had a lovely weekend. John Paul takes your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us on the programme today, 1850-333-103. Text and uh, WhatsApp's also available at 0862-103-103. And we are into the final week for general election 2020. This time next week, it'll be all over bar the shouting. And unless somebody calls a recount and they'll see we'll still be waiting on some final results. But hopefully by this time next week, uh, we'll know exactly what TDs have been elected to the various constituencies. And this week on the programme, every day, Monday through Friday, we're going to take one of the five constituencies that cover Cork City and County and we're going to do a review of them and we'll talk through who uh, who's running, who are the likely winners, the likely losers. And we're actually kicking it off today with Cork North Central, possibly one of the hardest constituencies at this stage to call. I mean, the first thing that stands out about this constituency is that in the last election in 2016, the four TDs that were elected, there's only one of that four whose name is on the ballot paper and that in itself is a little bit unusual so we certainly will see some new faces as such uh, as uh, TDs coming out from Cork North Centre so we're going to be discussing that on the programme and Fiona Corcoran will be joining us a little bit later on to do the preview and she's also gone out and about uh, to two different areas in Cork North Centre and she speaks to people in the area about their concerns what are they most worried about because that's what we want to get out of these uh, previews of the constituencies as well besides looking at the runners and riders just trying to find out what is it on the ground what are people most uh, worried about and obviously both Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil are now locked into really into an election battle to hold the centre ground and this of course is because Sinn Féin's support is growing and it is growing on, I wouldn't say even say a, wheel, a weekly basis from one opinion poll to another it seems to be growing on a daily basis. Both parties have been slightly caught off guard by the shock rise in support for Sinn Féin as the general election enters into its final week. And of course, this was all to do with the opinion poll, the Business Post Red Sea opinion poll that came out yesterday. It showed Mary Lou MacDonald of Sinn Féin, Nick and Nick with 
Fianna Fáil showing the energy and momentum. This is what she says. It shows the energy and momentum for, for Sinn Féin and for change, according to Mary Lou. Sinn Féin, now we did run this on the news this morning. They've officially requested that RTE include Mary Lou in the final live television debate of the campaign. That debate is taking place tomorrow night. I'm sure it's part of like a prime time uh, special. Now, RTE have, would you believe, an election coverage steering committee. And that steering committee will be meeting this morning. And I shouldn't smile. Of course, they're going to have a a steering committee to oversee because they've, in fairness to them, have done absolutely massive coverage of the election. So I suppose they do have to have some kind of a grouping, making sure in the interest of balance and fairness and all of that. Anyway, that particular general election steering committee well, I'm meeting this morning and they're going to consider that request from Sinn Féin. Now I don't know whether we will hear an outcome of that meeting before I wrap up this programme at one o'clock but John Paul is going to keep an eye on it for us and if anything breaks we will bring it to you whether RTE decide or not to let Mary Lou take part in that debate tomorrow night. Now it seems the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and the Fianna Fáil leader Micheál Martin yesterday said, both said, they've absolutely no objection to Mary Lou being included in the debate. And I don't know whether it was after that statement came out from both from both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael that the Labour Party decided straight away, we're going to get in on the act, we're not going to leave it just to Fianna Fáil Fine Gael and Sinn Féin. So the Labour Party has also written to RTE insisting the debate should include all party leaders. But then are we back to the two debates that we saw with all of the party leaders when we hit seven, all of the main parties were involved? I mean, we had the first leaders debate, which was probably the first debate to kick it off, which was between... Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, Leo and Martin, Mio Martin, and it was a bit of a damn squid. I think everybody accepted that it wasn't the greatest debate under the sun. People got a little bit bored with it. It seemed a little bit tedious. It seemed very samey, samey. And I remember at the time people were saying that if they put Mary Lou into the middle of it, it would have excited the debate, if nothing else. And then we had the two debates with all of the candidates and that was a bit more energetic that was a bit more interesting a bit more entertaining even though people say they're not there for your entertainment Patricia they're there to get across their party policies which is true so I I don't know how I feel I certainly know that I don't want a repeat tomorrow night of that first debate between Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin because that was you know almost at times like watching pain dry I certainly don't want that again I do think if they put Mary Lou in the middle of it, I think it would certainly liven up the two boys because the the main parties, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, must be running scared after that opinion poll yesterday. I mean, when I saw the opinion poll and I saw the results late on Saturday night, it started getting leaked what the result of the Red Sea poll was. And my instant reaction was... Surely, surely, RTE, you've got to now include uh, Mary Lou. I mean, it's not... I know RTE and... Virgin Media defended just having Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin because they called it the leaders debate and their argument was that they are the realistically they are the only two who can become the next Taoiseach and that's to do with the numbers of candidates they're running in the different constituencies they're running and that Sinn Féin simply isn't running enough candidates that even if Sinn Féin went into power even though Fine Gael are adamant that they won't go into a coalition with uh, Sinn Féin and sections of Fianna Fáil are saying the same thing. But even if Mary Lou Macdonald did go in 
to a coalition with one of the other parties, then the argument is she could never be a leader. But if there's a real swing towards Sinn Féin, I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers, we'll have to wait until this time next to see what the numbers are like. Could all of the left get together and then would she be the biggest party? Technically on paper, could you say, mm, there's a chance, might be an outside chance, but there's still a chance. So therefore you can't use that argument for not including her in the debate. We await to see the decision of the RTE's election coverage steering committee and they meet I don't know what time they're meeting at this morning I don't know if they're early risers or they type they get up early in the morning and they could be as we speak having that meeting and and I hope that they have the meeting early so that we can have we'll know before we wrap up the programme today but your thoughts welcomed on that would you like to see Mary Lou is it only right and proper if you just base it on opinion polls Sinn Féin Mary Lou has been doing better opinion poll after opinion poll after opinion poll this is the, probably the best they've ever had on an opinion poll and she was neck and neck well the Sinn Féin party was neck and neck with Fianna Fáil and they were actually ahead of Fianna Gael so should they base it on opinion polls or should opinion polls not come into it at all because the only poll that matters is the poll that gets counted next Sunday. Your thoughts welcomed, 1850-333-103. Now, also on the programme this morning, Brexit and Brexit happened, whether we liked it or not. Um, Friday night at 11 o'clock, the United Kingdom officially left the European Union after 47 years of membership. And you certainly, if you've been following this story on social media or on any of the news channels, they're definitely... There didn't seem to be the great big celebration that some people thought it was going to be. I mean, Nigel Farage and the thousands of people that turned out, it wasn't the biggest crowd of people who turned out in the centre of London to watch the countdown clock over 10 Downing Street. And of course, Big Ben didn't ring out. It was a recorded version of Big Ben ringing out. They didn't get permission for fireworks. So there wasn't the sense of this is a great big celebration. I mean, the people on the street were partying and all of that. But for probably 50% in some areas, more than 50% of people in the United Kingdom, they weren't anyway happy about what was happening on Friday night and they weren't happy that the United Kingdom are exiting the EU. And now we've got this transition period really where nothing is going to change for the next 12 months. And then going forward, God only knows. We really do not know what way this is all going to pan out. But we've decided to bring on Deirdre Clune, uh, MEP for Ireland South on the programme because she can now, after, since 11 o'clock on Friday night, she now officially is an MEP once again for Ireland South. So I'm interested in her thoughts. And I imagine what happened at 11 o'clock on Friday night with Brexit was bittersweet for Deirdre Clune because we would have interviewed Deirdre Clune as an elected MEP over the years and she was always against Brexit. She always thought it was the wrong move for the United Kingdom. She always felt it was the wrong move for this country and for Europe as a whole. So I imagine bittersweet. She wants, I know, I know she'll want to get back to Brussels and to Strasbourg and get back to the work that she has been doing. But she'll be saddened as to the reason why she's going back. But we'll, we'll chat with her in uh, a few minutes. And we're going to hear from the Nakuraha Environmental Group about Airgrid's plans for the area. This is the Celtic Interconnector Project. And this Nakuraha Group was set up last year when it first broke what were Airgrid's plans for Nakuraha. And they met with Airgrid uh, last week. So we want to find out where they're at 
and the feeling on the ground locally. People very, very upset about Airgis plan. So we'll speak with the Nakraha Environmental Group on the programme today. And it is Monday. So that means after half past 11, the lovely Annalise Dressel will join us. Always a busy slot on the programme. If you have a question for Annalise, you can get it into us, please. Some of your thoughts coming in on the general election and on the final leaders debate, which is on tomorrow night at the moment. It has just been called a leaders debate between Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin with this request gone in now from Sinn Féin, an official request gone in asking that they be, that Mary Lou Macdonald be included and then Labour have also written insisting the debate should include all the uh, party leaders. Okay, Eileen in Cantor says, I still haven't made up my mind yet who I'm going to vote for. I was thinking when watching them on television during this debate that they're all really like actors on a stage as as soon as the show ends and the cameras are switched off, they're all friends. That's just my opinion, says Eileen in Kenturk. Thank you, Eileen. Mike is pondering and wondering, do we need to change the way we elect politicians and the way our parties are formed? Because, according to Mike, in Denmark, they have only one party and it's the party for the common good. I was unaware of that. So you just vote people in for your particular area, is it? And everybody everybody works uh, together. Is that something that we could look at in this country? Breather in Mill Street says all parties should be included in that debate tomorrow night. Now, this is Breather's personal view, provided Ivan Yates isn't in charge of proceedings because Breather felt he bullied some of the candidates last week in that he didn't give them time to uh, answer. I, f- I found part of that debate frustrating as well because at one stage I was thinking, is Ivan Yates running here? Is he a candidate in the field having, knowing, knowing his history? I thought maybe he's returning to politics, but he wasn't. That was his way of moderating a debate. And then another listener says, Trish, do we really want or need another debate between the leaders? And I suppose that's one of the glorious things about it being on TV. You have the option that you can switch over or not and it'll be on the same time as Love Island. <laughs> if you want to switch over and watch Love Island instead, yeah, feel free, uh, you can. Now, I want to give a quick mention to this because I got a reply in from this as well. And my apologies to Pat and Fomoy, who contacted us on Friday and we just did such a busy programme that I wasn't able to mention it. Pat was very upset about an article she had read in this week's Avenue newspaper that came out on comes out Thursday or Friday, doesn't it? And it's a, it is, I don't know if this was on the front page or not, but it's a story in the Avenue about an elderly man who was forced to urinate on the street as the public toilets as we know because we've discussed it on this programme remain closed in Formoy. Pat said what an embarrassing uh, situation to be in and why have those toilets remained uh, closed and it is in this week's Avenue an elderly this is from the paper an elderly gentleman last week forced to urinate on the street along Ash Key in Formoy as the public toilets there remain locked that's according to a Formoy local who witnessed the incident and contacted the Avenue his daughter had to shield him from view Bless his heart. Uh, be, he said before recounting that the elderly man was evidently upset and embarrassed by what was going on, but he had no other option. The tourist information office on Ashkey in Formoy and the adjoining public toilets have been closed for over a month now after possible vandalism left a large pane of glass smashed. Formoy locals have expressed their disquiet according to the Avenue with this ongoing situation and Cork County Council in a statement to the Avenue said they're endeavouring to reopen the building as soon as it's safe. 
but they couldn't provide any time frame uh, to, the, to the newspaper. When asked if they could furnish a cost for the repairs to the building, the council informed the Avenue that costs were being evaluated subject to a supplier quotation. So when Pat contacted us on Friday, we then got on to the County Council as well to say, you know, can you tell us what's going on here? Is there any idea on when these toilets are going to be reopened? Particularly that an elderly man is forced to go to the toilet on the side of the street, shielded by his daughter. I mean, it's embarrassing enough for the elderly man to, to have this need to go to the toilet, this urgent need to go to the loo, but then to have to have to go to the toilet in public and shielded by his daughter. That's just adding to the humiliation it really is. Anyway, we got on to the Communications Officer Cork County Council who say that the damage to the toilets is a guard the matter presently under investigation. The toilets were closed for health and safety reasons and in the interest of public safety owing to the continued risk of vandalism at the site whilst replacement glass is sourced. The process is ongoing as it's not a standard fitting. So that's kind of different, isn't it, what they said to the Avendu? The Avendu said they're endeavouring to reopen it as soon as possible but couldn't provide a time frame. And they're saying here, the, in the interest of public safety, owing to the continued risk of vandalism. So are they not opening it because they're afraid that there's going to be more vandalism at the site and the replacement glass isn't a standard fitting? OK, if it's not a standard fitting, a month seems like a long time to find the fitting doesn't it, to, to replace the glass. But it's, yeah, it's awful to think that we're now of a situation in 2020 in Formoy that if a tourist comes along or an elderly man gets short taken on the side of, of the street, ends up with no choice because there's no uh, public toilets. It, it really is is dreadful. And we've, we did cover this on the programme before Christmas. And again, at the time, we were told it was a health and uh, safety issue. Callers to this programme before Christmas was saying that the window was broken in the disabled toilet and that was the reason that the toilets were closed, but that the other two toilets were fine and that they couldn't, people couldn't understand, OK, block off the disabled toilet because of the window and all of that, and which obviously this is the window that is in the standard fishing and they're having problems sourcing the glass a month on. They still can't source the glass to put into it. But people were saying that the other toilets could have could have been used. Well, that's the view, certainly, of local people. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Eggfile mock quid then and here is Farlin. Shot eight thrower C103 Air Kirkig. She balancholic gunpowder mills count us the Fergun of Svarula is Simula a Gurkig. Bunny of Lien Shachtiak and Noha Kahar. Agas Punich Vimas, Kadi Lewis of Vihuhish. Agas I point to avoid Visuas like Kuig Hiat than a Gobers Noilte. Inchiter Skiel Bioga, Fensail in Agents and Ochtu, Agas Nayuhish Diag, Snafergun of Shah, Perfader Fos Kurtuhurtaha. Hopork Regunach Valencholic and Palta Inish. Agas I Oscar to them bubble. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And phone lines have been quite busy this morning, so do bear with us if we don't get around to your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, at 11pm last Friday night, January the 31st, 2020, after 47 years in the European Union, the United Kingdom formally left the bloc some 1,317 days after the Brexit referendum. All 73 UK MEPs have now vacated their seats, meaning the two Irish MEPs in cold storage can finally take up their seats, one of which is Fine Gael's Deirdre Clune, who joins me. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Hi, good morning, Patricia. Now, Deirdre, is it bittersweet you taking your place in Europe? You you never wanted Brexit to happen. No, it's absolutely, you're right. It's absolutely bittersweet. Uh, I didn't want it to happen. Um, and I think taking, we, we, we wouldn't swap um, two, two additional seats in the European Parliament if the British were to stay or if the United Kingdom was to stay. There's no contest. Uh, nevertheless, it's happened and that's it. And um, we are where we are, as, 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 as you would say. Uh, Did you watch any or much of the coverage on Friday night? Um, not really. No, I watched. Well, I was conscious of I was at a, at a, at a function and in Ballincolleg, and I was conscious of it on the television. But um, uh, it was low key. I was glad to see yeah. that it was low key, not triumphalism. Or they didn't. They tried to play it down. It was Boris Johnson's. Um, uh, well, his just his recorded debate. There was no fireworks. I heard commentary the next day that they weren't allowed. To, there was no. an application for fireworks and was refused so uh, I think that's good because there's a serious job of work to be done in the next uh, 11 months and and let's let's not forget half the people in the United Kingdom mm. were, were not celebrating because they didn't want Brexit they to happen they didn't want Brexit and it's such a huge momentous step really I mean as you said 47 years uh, is a long time it's the first time a country has ever left the European Union Yeah, there's a queue to join but not um, it's the first time they've ever left and there is significant majority, there's significant in terms of population. And they're also the sixth largest economy in the world. So you're most definitely will be um, poorer without them. And we yeah, and then, you know, and for, for the, the, the good people of the United Kingdom, it's, 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 it's a tough future for them ahead. Even on things like the trade deals, for example, mm-hmm. I, I was listening to a commentator on one of the BBC um, channels on, on radio over the weekend and they were talking about the fact that, you know, now the real work, as you say, begins. Mm-hmm. But the fact that for 47 years they haven't been involved in trade deals because it's the trade deals, they, they don't even have the experience. They don't have the civil servants, the people that do all trade of deals. the work. Yeah, the experience, yeah. the negotiating teams, the detail. Um, I mean, because this is across every sector from electronics to fish to food to quality of the yogurt you produce, your cheese, everything, everything, every, clothes, textiles, you know, the CE label, the yeah, European, yeah. I mean, everything, everything that comes into medicines, everything. So um, it's, and, you know, we had the European Union has obviously lots of experience. They just finished a Canadian trade deal in the last two years, Singapore deal, Chip, Japan, a deal with Japan, uh, starting negotiation looking at Australia, New Zealand, uh, there's talk about a deal with South America, trade with South America. They've been involved in China. So they have all that expertise um, and information and knowledge built up and, and the personnel who have the capacity. So um, 
that there is a gap, and that this was said at the time too, when they did leave you, when they left, the, where they voted originally three years ago, that they just didn't have it, and they were scrambling to get people, look for people from the, from from the commission in Brussels, and to take up jobs. To take with them. jobs yeah, so it would be fair to say then, Deirdre, that this 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 was eleven month period will be the the most difficult part of all of the negotiations. This would be the detail. I mean, yeah. obviously, that we had the, with the last. The, the withdrawal agreement and the situation on the island of Ireland was very important. It was a political situation, a political issue that took a time to deal with. Um, and they, there was a lot of oh, grappling and different situations. And you had the politics of the DUP having a hold over the government in the UK. So you had all that. Uh, and But this time around, you're looking at what are we doing about fishing, access to UK waters, access to European waters, and... Farming, free, free movement. Um, do the do the UK want access to European markets? And obviously, some uh, agriculture producers, food producers in in Europe want access to the UK market because they have it now, and they want to maintain that for their for those that are for their small businesses, for their farmers, for whatever industry they're involved in. So it's um, the, ghost, the, the people will lay out their starting point um, at the end of. Well, at the end of this month, the European Commission is going to propose, you know, Phil Hogan as Minister for Trade, proposing scenarios that will be agreed by the Council uh, to go forward and, or agreed or not, or whatever, but to go forward and start negotiations, start the process. Can you realistically see it being all wound up by the 31st of December 2020? Well, um, from what I've seen in terms of trade deals, uh, like the Canadian one, it took uh, nine years to agree. Yeah. Um, there wasn't maybe there wasn't an urgency, but it still did take, take yeah. that time, and yeah. it didn't include services, which are financial services or insurance. Well, including insurance, whatever the services, it just include it just addressed it was goods, goods, yeah, and the standards of goods, not services. And that took nine years. And that took nine years, yeah, to get through all the hurdles and uh, the details. And food was a, a big issue there, and everybody wants to hold on to their own food standards and to protect their own producers, and that's understandable. Uh, but if you want to, and there's going to be give and take, and I don't know where that's going to be. Um, I know fishing is something that has been mentioned, that we have access, we want to continue, absolutely we want to maintain access to the UK markets, and um, uh, they want to maintain to you access to European markets because they actually process fish, not just catching it, but they add value to their fish and their, the European markets are lucrative for them, so... Mm. Right. And that's where the money is made is when you is when you, when you add, add when you add value, yeah, yeah, when you process. Yeah. So it's all it's complicated. It'll be very complex. And um, is there still very much a danger of a hard Brexit? Well, if Boris Johnson um, says that he's you know, he's not going to look for a transition, he can do. He can look for a transition to extend it. Um, I, I, I mean, the, there is a potential there. But absolutely, we, we won't start. We won't start off on that point. We'd hope that there would be some progress. And they may, I've heard comments about they may just go for the bones of a deal and in certain areas and leave the rest for future. That future arrangement that may happen. But I mean, I think financial services are very important to the United Kingdom. I know it. In fact, they're very important, and uh, op- those operating in that area certainly won't want to um, won't want to be left out of any deal, mm. initial deal. So that's okay. all. The, that's all the. The scenarios, the potential scenarios, and all the, the players involved. Um, everybody has 
manifest their interest in this. And then for a practical level for you, for yourself, what, what happens? You're, you're back tomorrow, I'm, I'm told, to register. Yeah, I'm going over to register that's, and then um, just get registered, get your pad badge, your paperwork and all that and down to Strasbourg. The first session of Strasbourg that I'd be involved will be next week in, in the 10th of February. I'll be going to Strasbourg for the week. The parliament goes to Strasbourg once a month, so that's what will be starting, and they'll announce the new MEPs there. There's actually two from Ireland, but 27 from Europe. In total, yeah. Across Europe. Yeah. Uh, and the parliament is going to be reduced in size now because 72 UK left, and 27 are now joining, so there's a ceiling that's not being filled. Okay. Um, just, uh, I think there was a so do you, in the well, last parliament. Do you just pick up where you left off, or...? Absolutely, for me, knowing yeah. the ropes, it'll be easier. Yeah. Um, having been there before because uh, it takes a while to settle into it yeah I just pick up where, where I left off I mean well not where I left off I think there's really serious issues now for this parliament yeah. number one is that we've just talked about absolutely the top priority the common agricultural policy is being reviewed to get stuck into that the budget of the European Union hasn't been agreed yet um, and where is that, that the, when you have the big picture or the big figure in the budget how is that going to be allocated it can protect the Common agricultural policy. There's a review of the fisheries policy coming up. Uh, cyber security has become really important and needs to be addressed. And then there's the whole question of immigration as well. Immigration, which hasn't been dealt with, and you still see countries such as Greece, Malta, Italy believing, and rightly so, and, and rightly so I think, uh, that they're taking an unfair burden. Yeah. So la- that, that a lot. So there's a lot. Yeah. A lot of big, 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 big questions. Big, yeah. And then, of course, Underline the whole the relationship with China, the relationship with the US, as well. Um, and then, while all that is going on, you also have all the Brexit negotiations. And all the Brexit negotiations. All right. Yeah. Okay. And what have you been doing since May? Oh, um, I've been um, well, keeping in touch uh, as best I can. Okay. With, um, have you been over there at all? I have been. I went over at the beginning. I didn't go since. Because, okay. Um, when, when you're when you're not in, when you're not involved, when you don't have a role to play. Okay. There's no point. Yeah. Um, have you I technically think, been out of work then? Technically, yeah. I've yeah. Form- I was a former member for six months. Okay. <laughs> At the right. end of July, I'm now a, a member again. Okay. Um, and, um, All right. Well, we no doubt will... Sp- getting back in. No doubt we'll speak again in the meantime. Thank you for that and, th- and thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is M- now officially MEP for the South, no longer in holding, uh, dear de Clune. 1850-333-103. A listener has been on to say that... Oh, it's Tom. Thank you, Tom. Tom found a laptop just off the main road at Bengower West near Town early on Saturday morning. And you can contact us here at the radio station for more information. Did you lose a laptop or did you hear of somebody who lost a laptop? Give us a buzz, 1850-333-103 and we'll see if we can reunite that laptop with its owner. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie The count for election 2020 happens this Sunday. 18 new Cork TDs will be elected from five constituencies. Join C103 for an exclusive online programme from 6pm Sunday with live results, tallies, predictions and analysis. 
Download the C103 app and click on Election 2020 Cork or go to c103.ie to listen live. Plus, follow us on Twitter for the very latest from all five Cork constituencies. Election 2020 Cork, live online this Sunday from 6pm on C103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, last week, members of the East Cork Knock Raha Environmental Group met with Airgrid in Dublin to outline their objections to Airgrid's proposed plans for a 700 megawatt power converter in Nakraha. To find out how the group got on, I'm joined by spokesperson Marguerite Kremen. Good morning to you, Marguerite. Uh, good morning, Patricia. And you are welcome. Can you remind us, firstly, when when you first heard about Airgrid's proposed plans for Nakraha, when did it first come to your attention? Um, well, I suppose it has been, this whole project has been in the pipeline for a number of years, uh, but I suppose they, they, they have narrowed down their locations in the last few months. And just it was only as recent as November that we found out that uh, two of the tr- three proposed locations are in our local community. Um, I suppose Knockra is a, it's a rural community in East Cork. Um, it's also home to a significant number of young families and has a thriving play school and national school of, of about 240 children. And many people have moved to the area because it is such a, a lovely place to live, unspoiled countryside and woodlands and rivers. And it's just such a lovely place to grow up in. And I suppose it's since the end of November that um, the local environmental group have t- tried to get to grips with the the, the huge plan that, that they're putting in place for the area. Okay, can you explain to people, I'm, I'm conscious of people outside of the area who w- won't know what this, it's a it's a converter station. Can you explain what it is and, and what are the plans? Okay, so from the from the paperwork that we've received from them, it would be about the size of four football pitches. Okay. okay. Um, does the proposed building is 25 metres high and to us who still haven't fully moved to metric, that's about 82 feet high. It's huge. It's about the equivalent of an eight-storey building. Okay. And it, they would require in the region of about 10 acres for this development as well. Um, it's, I suppose, why we're, you know, very concerned about it is that in principle we're opposed to the industrialization of the rural community. I suppose we feel that once it comes to our community, there is no going back. And we have very strong environmental concerns relating to the loss of the native habitats for birds and wildlife locally. And, and then, look, I suppose this affects us all, um, the loss of biodiversity in our country. It will have long-reaching impacts for all our futures. And we have also concerns for our local water sources. Um, and I suppose where, where we're located, our streams and rivers ultimately supply the water to Balangoig Waterworks and the Glashaboy Waterworks as well. So this supplies water for Glenmire, water Hill, and even St. Stephen's Hospital. Um, it's also in an area of significant historical and heritage uh, in, interest. The, yes, some, is, of, some of the historical yeah. uh, sites are very interesting. They are. I mean, the, the area that played an important part in the War of Independence, and there have been many publications written about it. And it would be a shame in this time of our country's centenary commemorations not to protect our local heritage. Uh, indeed, even a heritage trail has been sanctioned 
by Cork County Council for the area a number of years ago. And this is currently being set up. It, it would be unusual in an area where we would have had, you know, there was there was a, you know there was a, a prison, there was various bomb factories, and uh, various uh, flying columns would have been uh, very active in the area. So it, it would have a lot of activity for 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 the War of Independence locally. Now, when all this, when Airgrid came up with looking at your area as a proposed location. Did they meet with local people to try to allay your fears? Okay, so they did have meetings in the local hall. Okay. Um, People felt that they were poorly advertised and that some people came away with information and then they would meet afterwards and felt that they got different information to other people, okay? So what we did was that we got together and we held a public meeting ourselves um, for all the people of the community at the end of November, okay? So the, a lot of people had loads of questions, a lot of concerns at that meeting. So at the end of the meeting, um, all of those concerns were put to the floor and the public voted on them. Uh, to bring those concerns to Airgrid. Right. And that was how we we got our mandate, really. Uh, the, the, the committee then was formed from the people on, on the floor on the night or, or, and, and people were contacted afterwards and have willingly given quite a lot of their time. And based on, just based on those items that were, that were brought forward by the community, we investigated those further, okay? And then we developed a, a document which was uh, sent out locally to people door to door. It was left with them and if they were happy to sign it then it was collected about a week or so later. So everybody we felt could, were given as much information as possible. We also uh, developed a website and we're on Facebook and Twitter. So um, in, in the space of that six weeks uh, between I suppose inception and then to us uh, the, you know, producing our uh, submission for Airgrid, um, we have gathered one thousand signatures locally. That's 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 a that's a lot of signatures a from from, from a small people. area, and it's also yeah. I think important to point out, uh, Marguerite, the landowner, yes, on whose land Airgrid want to build this uh, proposed power convector, the landowner completely objects. Oh, absolutely, uh, has has no interest in in it being. Uh, on the land whatsoever. And indeed, Patricia... Um, so is it, it compulsory it purchase? Not, it would have to take that route, is what she is saying. And additionally, I mean, if it is located on those lands, for the lines to actually get there, it will also have to go through roads and other properties and other land and then go from the converter station back to a substation. Again, through through roads are in this case because it has to go in in a relatively straight line, go through quite a lot of other farmland. Now, obviously, these farmers have been made aware of this and a significant, well, actually most of them have also signed these submissions or made or written up their own submissions and and are saying that they don't want it on their property either. Okay, you met with Airgrid last week. We did. We went up on Tuesday and we brought all of the the signed submissions with us and those would also include local small businesses and clubs and we also then brought a 
full detailed submission on behalf of Nokra Area Community Association as well. Um, so when we met with them, we went through all of the items brought up at the public meeting and which we had, you know, investigated as best we could in the short time. Um, I mean, every day we're, we're finding out a little bit more information, but um, with what we had, we we brought all those concerns to the to Airgood at that meeting. Did you feel you got a good hearing? Well, I would say it was an incredibly lengthy meeting. We did start at 11.30 in the morning and we finished at 7.30 that night. <sighs> Um, But we were very, you know, I mean, we were very persistent. We wanted to make sure that they were aware of all of the concerns of the local people. And what was the outcome when you left at 7.30? Where did you leave it? Well, where we left it was, I suppose, additionally, they would have done their own studies as well, Patricia. So there was new information which they weren't aware of, which we were able to bring to them. Okay. Yeah. So in relation to environmental issues and in relation to local history and heritage um, and how seriously these would be impacted by their proposal. So um, they aired it towards the end of the meeting, proposed that they come and visit the area Great. and view the new information. And we think that this should impact their decision. Um, now, they have said that they will not be making their decision until the end of February. So we hope that, you know, with the submission of the information that we brought to them, along with viewing the the sites again, um, that it'll have a more positive outcome. OK, um, so, so you now await, wait, wait, someone from Airgrid, will they tell you when they're coming? Will they? Yes, well, I, I have I have only just made contact with them this weekend. OK. Uh, with some dates so we're, we're hoping that they'll come back to okay, us quickly well, well we will catch up with you again then pending how we get on with how you get on with Airgrid yeah. but there is certainly a huge outpouring of support oh, locally it would be over 95% yeah. ok we'll yeah. talk again Marguerite in the meantime thank yes, you for I'd that I'd love to keep you up to date Please and we have do. a website as well and we're on Facebook and Twitter okay. for people who want to find out more information or keep up to date with our progress thanks East, Patricia ok bye bye that's Marguerite Kremen of the East Cork Nakraha Environmental Group. Margarita, we spoke to from the Nakraha Environment Group. Uh, thank you and your team, says Mary, for giving a huge amount of your time and effort to protect our entire community. That's from Mary. And Brigitte says, Good woman, Margarita. You and your team are doing a great job. In 2007, we stopped a wind farm in Nakraha. God, I remember that. Uh, to protect our. Is that, 2000, is that that long ago? Anyway, sorry. To protect our health, environment, and properties for the same reasons, we'll stop the interconnector. That's from Brigitte. And there's a lot of public support, certainly, for the Nakraha Environment Group. And and uh, we'll keep in contact with Marguerite and update you if any more breaks on this. OK, we're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way in the next hour. We're starting our rundown on all of the five Cork constituencies ahead of next Saturday's election. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. 
C103 is online everywhere. Connect with us across our social media and have your say. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by searching C103 Cork. Visit our website c103.ie for the latest show info, podcasts and all the news from across Cork and you can listen live. Or take us with you everywhere on your phone. Download the app from the Google Play Store, iTunes or c103.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, some of your calls coming in. Firstly, reaction to my interview with Marguerite from the Nakraha Environmental Group and their meeting with Airgrid last week about these plans and how local people are so against this power converter being put into a site in Nakraha. And by the way, it's all to do with bringing electricity in from France. Somebody was saying it is very, very confusing. And I wouldn't have had a clue what this was about until a new Marguerite was joining me on the programme today. So I was doing some research on it. And it's it's the Celtic Interconnector Project. And as I say, it's to do with bringing in, importing electricity in from France. That's what it's all about. Anyway, some of your texts in on this. The destruction of rural Nakraha is or would be shameful, says Sheila. It's a beautiful area with rich heritage, habitat for many species and it's a hidden gem in Cork. The people of Nakraha do not want this and it's obvious that the locals are working very hard to stop it. The consultation time is also far too short. Well done to all in the Nakraha Environmental Group, says Sheila. And, you know, Airgrid certainly gave them a really good hearing. I have to say, I don't think I have ever heard of an action group against the building of something, meeting with the developers, which is what Airgrid will be in this particular case, and having a meeting at half past 11 in the morning that goes on until half past seven in the evening. So they certainly got a good hearing. Now let's wait and see how much they listened and what they took from the meeting and the fact that they're going to come down and take a look at the site again. And uh, Margarita's promised she will update us when there's any more on this story. Martin also says the convector should be in an industrial area, not unspoiled countryside. And it, when Marguerite was talking about the height and size, it's huge, huge building. It does seem like something that you would put in the middle of an industrial area. I 100% agree with you, Martin. And a lot of people just want to say well done to Marguerite. Uh, she herself and her team are doing fantastic work. And this is in, and do I take it this person is for the convector or not. Somebody says, Patricia, when you've got the environmental group on, could you ask them why on their website about the Celtic interconnector section, they say pylons have not been ruled out when every piece of literature from Airgrid has said that the AC and DC cables will be underground. It didn't get into pylons now with my chat with Marguerite, but I'm assuming is that somebody who is in favour of it? If you are, you're certainly a lone voice on this programme today because so many people have contacted us saying that they are in support of what the environmental group in Nakraha are doing. And by the way, we have contacted Airgrid and are awaiting a reply from them. Also coming in on the programme today, thank you for a question for Annalise. Keep those coming because Annalise will join us after half past 12 today. People talking about election and we're going to be doing our bit for election 2020. In a couple of minutes, we'll be looking at the first of the five constituencies in the area. But looking at the election overall and the opinion poll and what came out 
of the Sunday Business Post Red Sea poll at the weekend putting Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin neck and neck and then in third place Fianna Gael. Certainly a shock for the two main parties. Are people looking for change? Patricia, it made a big difference for Britain to their own advantage, says this texter, when they changed from Theresa May to Boris Johnson, they were stuck in a rut. Perhaps me, we might want to do the same thing in this country. I don't know if everybody in Britain would agree with you that the change was to their advantage, but um, I, I see the point you're making, that it's change is what we need. Audrey says, it does not matter who is going to run the country because it'll be more of the same. They only... They don't think of the people, only their fat salary, says uh, Audrey. And a Douglas listener said, I'd be interested to hear why the hundreds of MEPs, what they do to merit the huge salaries that they get. Well, there's actually less MEPs now that the United Kingdom have left, which I wasn't aware of. I thought every one of the 72 United Kingdom MEPs, I thought they were all being replaced, but they're not. They're only being replaced by 27. So there are less uh, MEPs. And I think, I think they're going to work very hard for, yeah, they... They get well paid, I'll give them that. But again, I've said it many times, I wouldn't be a politician for all the tea in uh, China. But certainly they are well paid. Now also, what else is coming into us here? This is Heidi says, Patricia, I heard you say you were surprised at the opinion polls. Well, I wasn't surprised at the opinion polls. I think the point I was making was, I'm sure within the political parties, there was huge surprise at the uh, opinion polls except Sinn Féin will tell you they knew it was coming because they're obviously on the ground hearing what they're getting but anyway Heidi says surprise at the opinion opinion polls well really when you think of what Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil have put this put the people of this country through in the last number of years so let's hope when people go out to vote they remember that and they think of the TDs that have helped people all over the country just not what they've done for towns or urban areas Ireland as a whole is bigger than just Dublin. So look to what was promised to be to be done for any rural area uh, and then see what was actually done for some of the most beautiful areas in this country. But it's not just money spent on Dublin. We have second rate transport, also second rate services in rural uh, Ireland. Just look at our local hospitals. No thought for us and what we want uh, or need. And look at the waste of our the money spent on the children's hospital in Dublin when local hospitals are just as important society and of course always the fear that we're losing out in rural areas because of the amount of money that's been ploughed into the children's hospital and the cost and the overspends on that hospital now of course of course that children's hospital will benefit all of the children from all over the country that's even though it's in Dublin it's not just going to be for Dublin children children from all over Ireland will go to it and when it is eventually built it will be hopefully this state of the art hospital and children will benefit but they will be the children of the future the children of today certainly are going to benefit uh, from it also on the this is Martin hi Patricia this is back to the EU and the trade negotiations that are going to have to go on for Brexit the world would be much easier and the world could be much easier and we could have a simpler trade or bartering system. Why is it so flipping complicated and difficult for everyone? Why don't they just simplify all of these trade deals? And that's a Martin in a a scheme. Yeah, it's rules and regulations, isn't it? And everything has to be just right. And that makes the whole situation even more uh, complicated. And it's just, it's it's as it's always been. And it's, you are right, there was a time where we hit simpler. It was simpler. But I think with the EU 
getting so big. And it's one of the arguments why people in the United Kingdom wanted to leave the EU. Things got very complicated and now it is very complicated. How you would unpick it, Martin, I don't know. But God bless anyone who would decide to do uh, that. Now, staying on electioneering. Oh, this is what this made me smile when I saw it. Margaret and Enniskeen was on to say that the main car park in Enniskeen was absolutely full of potholes, really in a bad, bad state of repair. Now, the car park is between the church and the school. And she said literally everyone in Enniskeen was looking for it to be resurfaced. Anyone who were to use this car park were given out about the state of it. And I'm sure probably tyres were getting damaged and cars getting scratched and dented, etc. But she said, no matter how many times people spoke up, nothing was being done about it. Now, Margaret, in any scheme, was of the view that the council were pushing it back onto the church and says, oh, no, no, that's church car park. It's the responsibility for them. For them. But Margaret says everybody felt, no, that it was a council issue. Lo and behold, some of the party leaders came visiting to Enniskeen to do a little bit of canvassing. Guess what happened? The car park has been resurfaced. She said people were falling over all of the politicians and locals couldn't get the work done. And now due to high flying politicians visiting, everything is resurfaced. Rather than giving out about them, Margaret, be thankful. At least you got it resurfaced. I can sense your frustration. And when if the car park was that bad, it should have been done and it should have been done uh, weeks, maybe months ago. But in the meantime, you had to wait for, for an election. At least it's done. Let's be be thankful for that. And then when I jokingly mentioned about the debate tomorrow night and would people be watching it and will Mary Lou be taking part and now we know Labour want to take part as well and RTE are having their committee or having their meeting this morning to decide what is exa- exactly going to happen. I did make the point, will people be watching it or because somebody had said not going to watch it regardless and I said sure Love Island is on, you could always watch that. That led to a flood of calls from people <laughs> saying yeah it is Love Island that they will be watching. Many callers says John Paul says they're opting to watch Love Island over the debate. The caller says that they're sick of all of these debates at this stage. One or two is enough. We've had too many of them. Irene in Mitchellstown says it's always the same stuff same people shouting and roaring and she's very cynical about it all because she said look what's going to happen is this day next week hopefully we'll be in the process of deciding who's going to form the new government then a new government will be formed but will anything really happen they're not going to be able to build a hospital overnight the people who are homeless will still be homeless because they can't build houses overnight they're not going to be able to build the motorway between Cork and Limerick all of this will take years so she said in reality nothing at all will change so she says tomorrow night when the leaders debate is on Love Island for me says Irene in Mitchellstown to see whose head will be turned and of course if you are following Love Island all gets a bit exciting tonight because Casa Moore comes into the picture and heads will be turned. 1850, and for people who don't know Love Island, you haven't a clue what I'm talking about. 1850 that's in Middleton while a kind reliable lady is required to look after three children school collections at 12.30 and 3 and it's in the children's own home or if it suits it can also be in the childminders home it's in the Newmarket area by the way a senior hairstylist and a second 
are third year trainee stylists. They're both wanted for Canturk and an account assistant is wanted for Inchidani Island Lodge and Spa. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, every day this week on the programme, we are focusing on one of the five Cork constituencies, previewing the candidates, the issues and the likely winners and losers with our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran. And our first constituency this morning is Cork North Central. And Fiona joins me. Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, now, it's got to be, pro- well, it certainly is the longest ballot paper in Cork. 18 candidates and a geograph- the geography first. It's quite a sprawling constituency, isn't it? That's right, Patricia. Um, this constituency runs right across the north side of Cork City and um, out on the eastern side to Tlanmire, Little Island, Watergrass Hill. And then on the other side, it takes in Bishopstown and then out towards Blarney and Mourne Abbey. So you've got um, such a range of uh, issues with this constituency. I mean, on the north side of the city, there are um, issues with crime and with uh, derelict buildings and with uh, housing and homelessness. And then on the other side, then with Glanmire and Little Island, um, people that I spoke to said that the issues concerning them were the fact that there were so many houses being built there, but yet the infrastructure wasn't being built to match. And then, you know, on the other side, then out as far as Moore Abbey, you've got more rural issues that are affecting people. So um, it is a very wide ranging constituency. And also um, with the candidates, like there's 18 candidates running in this constituency and they're looking to battle it out for four seats. So it's going going to be like it's been described um, as the the dog fight of all the constituencies in this seat in this constituency because um, as you know the only TD who was elected in 2016 and who's running again is Mick Barry for the Solidarity People Before Profit Party and um, so these others so these four seats are really up for anyone to take yeah and, and it's, probably um, it's the, really going to be a fight to the end it probably is the only constituency in the country where you would have that that the the four mm. of the four outgoing TDs there's only one whose name is on the ballot paper. And of course, this is also the constituency that had a by-election just a couple of months ago. That's right. Um, Fianna Fáil's Billy Kelleher had been elected in 2016 and he was then elected to the European Parliament last year. So there was a by-election in November and Fianna Fáil's Podrick O'Sullivan took that seat. Now, he was a county councillor. Um, he was from the same geographical area as Billy Kelleher and he uh, topped the poll and won that seat. So he is running again. And Fianna Fáil have two other candidates running in this uh, constituency in the general election. They have... Um, Cork City Councillor Tony Fitzgerald who's well known on the north side of the city and polled very well in the local elections. I think he took the second seat there and um, they've got political newcomer Sandra Murphy and uh, she then is from the kind of Bishopstown uh, Blarney area of the constituency. So they do have candidates from all of the different geographical areas that we mentioned there before Um, and they are hoping to get two seats. Now whether that comes true for them or not um, remains to be seen. But But in fairness to them 
last time round in twenty six in the twenty sixteen general election, uh, Billy Kelleher topped the poll in in the constituency, yeah. and he was the only Fianna Fáil candidate. And if you look at the vote, I mean, he got nearly twenty eight percent of the of the first preference votes. I remember thinking at the time, was that a silly move? Should they have put somebody else on? Mm, and. You see, I think um, this time around now, because there's such a wide range of candidates as well, um, I don't know if they're going to be able to take that second seat this time around, whereas they might have been able to the first time around or, or last time around. Um, like Patrick O'Sullivan, obviously, he topped the, uh, the poll in the by-election and I think people are uh, thinking that he's definitely going to take a seat this time around. Now, um, you know, it all comes down then as well to, to transfers and transfer of votes and whether or not his surplus votes will bring the others up or, you know, whether if Sandra Murphy was eliminated first, whether her votes will transfer then to Tony Fitzgerald and bring him up um, to the second seat. But um, I think it's just because uh, this time around there's such um, a, a, a huge amount of people that are running, like 18 people running. Yeah, and, and of course got, we, we, um, can't, we can't not talk about Fianna Fáil and not mention Ken O'Flynn. Yeah, I was just going to mention him. Um, he has a long history with Fianna Fáil and, you know, his father before him was um, in the Dáil. Kenneth was um, a Fianna Fáil councillor for a long time in Cork City. And, you know, I think everybody knew that he was had intentions to run in the general election and everybody thought he was going to be on the ticket for Fianna Fáil. And then um, it was announced that he wasn't selected by the party and he's now running as an independent. And it's going to be interesting to see what way the votes go. I mean, are there going to be people who would have been supporting um, Kenneth and his father, but who would be Fianna Fáil supporters. And are they going to deflect now and go and vote for him because of him himself as a person? Um, or are, or will he lose support from people who are staunchly Fianna Fáil supporters? So, um, you know, he is a very popular choice here in the North Side. I spoke to a lot of people and they all said that he's a very hardworking person. Uh, candidate here in, in Cork City and he's done a lot for the north side of the city and even last week in the Evening Echo he said himself that he'll go into government with anybody who's going to deliver for Cork and some of the big issues that he's looking for are the North Ring Road and um, a hospital so you know he um, I think he's definitely going to be in the running for one of those seats whether it be the last seat um, but I think he's going to definitely put up a good fight yeah, this time absolutely. around absolutely okay um, now you did you did some Vox Pops um, and you mentioned some of the issues that have come up firstly this is you did a Vox Pop in uh, Blackpool let's take a listen to that the anti-social behaviour going on around the place then you know that it's not safe to walk in the streets at night I have young kids and I'd like to know that they'd be able to walk up to the local shop but they don't seem to be able to do that either you know just down to lack of guards lack of services um, you know for all we know the teenagers that are that are out causing trouble their parents might be going through mental issues of their own and that might be that might be left unattended you know we don't it's not know. Just an issue of increasing guards. There's a lot more. Yeah, there's a, it's a, there's a lot more going on. I mean, they say that our country is doing very well economically, but all you have to do is look at the streets aren't safe. There's drugs being taken around the streets. I wouldn't like to walk down um, a side street myself, even in broad daylight, because you don't know what's around the corner. Will somebody be using drugs? You know. So, I mean, what do we want? Do we want um, a country that has a really good economy, or that a country that we're, we're that's safe to walk the streets in? So the system is breaking down, there's something going wrong somewhere and the hospital service is going down. I was in a hospital just recently myself, that's why I'm not in work today. And um, there's, there's, there's a major crisis in terms of shortage of nurses. 
So it's an accident waiting to happen, really. Did you, know? you see that when you were there? Yeah, I did. I did. I saw that. And um, they were trying to do their best, but there were two little nurses on the ground in the wards. And, um, you know, people being left unattended that really need um, more care than what they were getting, you know. There were just too much of a shortage of nurses there, you know. Lucky girls. There's no girls on the street, you know. And um, that's basically it. Like, I don't know. It seems to be all drug-related. You know, it is just crazy. And do you think there's been an increase in crime in recent weeks? Definitely, re- recently, yeah. It has been crazy. It has been ridiculous, the amount of violent crime around the place, you know. And are people living in fear? I would think so, especially the elderly people. They don't seem to want to go out anymore, especially in the evening, you know. They don't go to bingo or anything, you know. They're just afraid. And I know in Blackpool there was an issue before in the last general election about vacant properties and we're actually standing in front of one yeah. here. Is that an issue for people here? I would say so. I mean, there's property up there that must be vacant over 10 years. You know what I mean? Just crazy, like. And say Francis Gardens wanted to buy them years ago, but whoever had the lease of the land couldn't buy it off them. They wanted more money for it, so it shouldn't be allowed, like. They should be just made give up, give up the, the properties and, you know, develop them. Mick Moriarty from the Baldy Barber, really? you've been doing business here now in Blackpool for a long time. What are the issues that you'd want to see this next government address for the people of Blackpool and for yourself, a business person here in Blackpool? Well, Fiona, 24 years ago when the late Joe McHugh was the city manager and a new shopping centre was going to come into place here, he taught us we'd have Blackpool done all up and ready uh, before what they call it Bishopstown, Douglas or Blackrock. And here we are, 24 years later, Thomas Davis Street is a disgrace. Have a look around. There was five pubs on this street one time, and Great William Bryan Street closed. I mean, we've become a very, very old community here in Blackpool. Thank God we're still alive, we're still working here, a few of us. But they've killed the village of Blackpool by taking the post office and the Bank of Ireland out of it. Now I believe the credit union is going moving as well up towards the shopping centre, which is very, very wrong, I think, anyway, personally. But... Um, I would love to see money being brought into Blackpool by, the, by no matter who's in power and finish Thomas Davis Street and give us the old Blackpool that we had back. OK, and that was uh, Fiona speaking um, a few days ago with people in Blackpool. And a lot of those issues actually are, are reflected all over the country. You could have done a Vox Pop like that, mm-hmm. I think, anywhere. Uh, and the same issues are, are coming up now. Let me look to uh, Fina Gale. They're running two candidates. Um, Colin Burke stood in the by-election, did well in the by-election, didn't he? Yeah, um, Colin Burke has been around it for a long time, but he's never actually been elected to Dáil Éireann. Now, he was a city councillor. He was a Lord Mayor of Cork. And in the he's he's currently a senator. And in the by-election in November, he got 20% of the vote. Now, it put him into third position. Um, but he's running again. And I think uh, Fine Gael are um, confident in him. But um, And he's also running alongside Lorraine O'Neill, who's a fairly newcomer. Now, I did ask... Uh, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, Patricia, um, he was in town on Saturday and uh, one of the issues that has come up is the whole Dara Murphy thing. Okay, and um, this, I, now, have the, know, I have the piece here. Do you want me to play that piece okay, where you spoke yeah. to, to, to... Yeah, like I just asked him if he thinks that the Dara Murphy controversy is going to affect the way people vote for Fine Gael in Cork North Central. Well, you know, in the by-election there only a few weeks ago, we had over 20% of the vote and that was... Uh, a better vote than we had in the previous general election so I'm confident that between Column and Lorraine we can hold on to uh, our seat there um, but I do know from them that it is an issue that's coming up on the doors uh, that a lot of people in Cork North Central felt that they were let down by Dara and I know a lot of our members and volunteers uh, feel that way too uh, but I'd really hate to see uh, Lorraine or Colin Burke um, you know uh, be punished for uh, 
for that because Colm in particular and Lorraine too they're really hard working people very much people who put the head down um, and look after local issues and constituency queries and uh, you know I'd hate to see them uh, bearing the consequences in, in any way for something that they didn't do you know and are you hearing that on the, on the ground, Fiona? Yeah, um, like a couple of people that I spoke to brought up the Darren Murphy issue without me even asking them about it. And, you know, as you heard there from the Taoiseach, it is an issue that's coming up on the doorsteps with uh, Cullen Burke and Lorraine O'Neill. People are very angry and they feel that, you know, they elected Darren Murphy in the general election in 2016 and they feel that he really let them down. Uh, the whole of the constituency feels that. And, you know... Um, like I know that the Taoiseach was kind of saying that that was his bad and he hopes that it doesn't reflect on um, Colin Burke and Lorraine O'Neill and that they're not punished for somebody else's actions but I suppose for a lot of people they just see it as Fine Gael and you know that they are very angry so you know I think going into this general election Fine Gael were really hoping that Colin Burke would take that seat for um, Fine Gael in Cork South Central or Cork North Central um, so whether or not he does we'll you know we'll know this time next Only week time whether or that has happened or not but yeah, I think he's going to have a tough uh, battle on his hands. But again, it's all down to transfers, really. And, you know, if Lorraine O'Neill gets enough um, to, to push him over the line, then, you know. But, um, we, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It's, okay. it's a tough call, Patricia, isn't and it? The, absolutely. And then Sinn Féin, that they have a good record in this constituency, particularly with uh, Jonathan O'Brien. And, of course, that was a bit of a shock when Jonathan O'Brien uh, decided he wasn't going to run in this election. So it's Thomas Gould flying mm. the flag for Sinn Féin. We know that they're doing well in the opinion poll another good poll mm-hmm. at the weekend do you think and Thomas Gould came in third I think in the by-election do you think he'll hold he that seat? He came second Second did he? Okay. Yeah he came second yeah and again like it just shows the importance of the transfers because he was actually behind Cullen Burke up until the last um, couple of rounds and then or the last couple of counts and then he um, on the transfers was pushed ahead and he came second so I think um, you know he is viewed as being a definite in this general election he has been a Cork City councillor I mean he polled very well in the local elections as well and he's been very vocal on issues like housing and homelessness and um, the hospital crisis and people um, on the north side of the city in particular like what he does and you know they, they feel that he's um, you know a hard worker again and he's committed to the cause so um, I th- you know I think it's widely predicted now at this stage that he will take that seat and that he'll take it comfortably. Okay, and then uh, Labour. Now, Labour always had a good vote here. I mean, Kathleen Lynch, before Kathleen, uh, was uh, Gerry O'Sullivan. They lost out in Mm. in 2016. How do you think John Marr will do? I think he'll do quite well. Um, He was elected to Cork City Council in the local elections last year and he ran in the by-election and he did quite well in that. Um, And he's um, running again now. So he's become a familiar face on the the posters in Cork in the last year. And as you mentioned, Kathleen Lynch there, you know, she's very much behind this campaign and really wants to take that seat back um, this time around. And, you know, he's young, he's... uh, quite uh, energetic and he's been to a lot of the different hustings over the last while and he seems to be getting out there and um, you know a lot of people seem to like him so um, I think he'll do quite well whether or not he'll get enough votes to to carry him through but I do think he is in um, the battle there for that last seat most definitely and likewise Oliver Moran for the Green Party again uh, like John Marr um, he was elected to Cork City Council in the local elections he ran in the by-election he's running again now this time around 
and um, you know he's seen as a candidate that's um, approachable and friendly and you know he has policies that may attract the younger vote with regards to um, cycling and building better uh, cycle lanes in the city. So, um, yeah, I think those two are definitely in it. Maybe John Maher a little bit more than, than Oliver Moore. Um, and, um, yeah, I think... It all you know, depends I think, like, if we there's were talking a there about swing. predictions. That's if, it. If there's um, a swing to the Greens, Oliver Moore could do well. Yeah, and there's a lot of young people interested in this general election. Um, we know there a couple of weeks ago, uh, UCC posted a picture on social media where 800 students uh, were lined up to register to vote. Mm. Um, so there is a huge interest, I think, this time around. And I think the recent uh, referendums that we've had, like the marriage equality referendum and the abortion referendum, have really captured the imagination of the young people and they know the importance now of getting out there and casting their vote and that it can make a difference. So I do think there'll be a lot more young people voting voting this time around um, and you know a lot of people do like the, the policies of the Green Party so, yeah, and the fact um, that it's a Saturday it vote change. the fact that it's a Saturday yeah, yeah. vote is certainly going to get more young people to vote and it will be interesting if they turn out in big numbers will there be a swing to the Greens I know when you were out and about you asked some people in Cork North Central about their voting preferences and here's what some people had to say Well there are certain parties I would not vote for I would never vote for Fianna Fáil because they destroy the economy. Maybe the younger people forget about that. I don't. I lost 25% of my take-home salary when they were in power because of the downturn. I would never vote for Sinn Féin. The other parties, Labour, Fine Gael, and some of the independents, yeah, I'd listen to what they have to say. What I don't like is the Greens. They'll destroy the place. So what annoys me most is the cycling. I pay 1,200 tax and some 800 insurance in CT. Maintenance and all that, and they have more rights than I have. I'll be honest, you know, I nearly voted Sinn Féin Army Life, but Ken Offlin has done an awful lot for the North Side, and I think I'll be voting independent all this day. I will be looking at the whole situation because I, I'm, I'm sick now of all the promises. I've never been belong to any political party. I was asked to go forward years ago myself, but I said I'd have to go as independent because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I have to take a look at it. You know, you're kind of being bombarded with people canvassing, and there's, you know, there's so much going on. Um, I'd have to take a look at it and just see who's the most genuine. Um, some people say that they'll do something for you, but will they? You know, it's, but I, I like to just vote people based not on their party, but their, you know, their integrity and if they're genuine or not, and hardworking. Actually, it's funny, I can't believe the number of calls we're getting today from people who still haven't made their minds up. You, you would have thought at this stage with, you know, five days out, people, yeah. are, but, they, but, but, I, but they haven't. Yeah, and I did find that with all five constituencies that a lot of people were saying that they really are going to think about what they vote this time around, that maybe in the past they would have all of us voted for Fianna Fáil or maybe Fine Gael or Sinn Féin. Um, but this time around, they really want to sit down and, and study each of the candidates and what they're about and what the party's policies are. And, you know, I've heard from a lot of people who said that they really want to change this time. And, um, you know, I think that that's what makes this general election really interesting is that maybe people are going to be swayed this time around and they're not going to vote the way they always voted and um, it's left people in a situation now like a week out of out from election day that they don't really know who they're going to vote for yeah. but um, they're really going to give it some thought and okay. um, I did find that with all the constituencies um, you know people were saying that they're really going to think about it this time around. And in the interest of balance and fairness we need to mention all of the candidates all 18 that yeah. are on the ballot paper you've got some now there are a number of independents and smaller parties yeah they're 
we mentioned um, Kenneth O'Flynn, but there are five other independents. Um, there's Councillor Jerk Johan, there's Dermot O'Kyla, TJ Hogan, Stephen O'Donovan and Sean O'Leary. And Sean O'Leary is actually running in 11 constituencies um, this time around, five in Cork, five in Dublin and one in Kerry. And then um, there's other parties as well. Social Democrats, um, so Social Democrats have Sinead Halpin, uh, Finian Toomey of A2 is running and James Collin of the Workers' Party. So, so oh, if you want, do you want me to give you a rundown of all eighteen again, there, Patricia? Okay, very Just, briefly. Go. Um, yeah, the Fianna Fáil party have three: Patrick O'Sullivan, Tony Fitzgerald, and Sandra Murphy. Fine Gael have two: Cullen Burke, Lorraine O'Neill, McBarry for the Solidarity Party, Thomas Gould, Sinn Féin, John Marr, Labour, Oliver Moore, and Green Party, James Collin, Workers' Party, Sinead Halpin, Social Democrats, Finney and Toomey, A two, and the Independents are Kenneth O'Flynn, T.J. Hogan, Jerk Johan, Dermot Kyla, Stephen O'Donovan, and Sean O'Leary. Well done. <laughs> well, well done. Is that good? Because there's 18 on the ballot paper, is that going to make for a long count? Or Yes. Yeah, it will, yeah. <laughs> it is. And I was talking, I know people haven't even voted yet, but I was talking to uh, Councillor Dan Boyle this morning and he said that he thinks that there's going to be such a tight battle for the last seats that there could even be a recount, which we're really hoping won't happen. <laughs> the dreaded recounts. But... D- yeah. D- no, I do think it's going to be a long day. Okay, Dave and Connor is, I don't know whether it's his first time voting or not, says you have to tick all the boxes in the ballot paper if you don't, is it considered a spoiled vote? vote. Well, you're not ticking, it's numbers. You put, to, if, numbers, you, if yes. you were in Cork North Central, it's from 1 to 18, but you don't have to go from 1 to 18. You can initially just cast one vote. But it is proportional representation and you are better off putting in putting in more. Do you go, If, if I, I don't know where you vote, uh, Fiona, but do you do, do you do all, everybody on the ballot paper yeah, um, I do. And I think, um, you know, as we were talking there about the transfers, the transfers can really change the state of play. Um, you know, as I mentioned there in the by-election, uh, Cullen Burke was ahead of Thomas Bur- uh, Thomas Gould up until the last couple of counts. And then Thomas was um, pushed into second place. And even with Deirdre Clune in the by-election, um, like the, the way the by-election ran for, or not the by-election, sorry, for the European elections, yeah. there was uh, five seats, but the fifth seat was a kind of a holding seat and was only coming into effect after Brexit. So it was between Grace O'Sullivan and Deirdre Clune. And Deirdre Clune had been ahead of Grace O'Sullivan the whole way through until the very last count. And then the transfers pushed Grace O'Sullivan ahead. So she got the fourth seat. And it just goes to show how important those transfers are right up until the very end. So, you know, I think for people to go in and, and, you know, you just put your number one, two, three, four, whatever it is beside the vote. And, and, you know, all those votes are very important and they do matter and they do count. Yeah, it's only when you're at a count that you realise the importance of mm. but you don't have to um, Dave and Connor. if you just want to go in and if you've made your mind up who you're voting for and you just want to vote for one person then your vote is yeah. as valid as anybody else's but it's numbers you're going one, two, three, four, five it isn't ticks uh, you only use a tick Yeah any of those ticks will be a spoiled vote yeah. so they yeah. you know And they're, they're, all, they're the always number. fun at the count centre as well and then the other thing that people mm. have been discussing today the leaders debate we're still waiting to hear if RT have made a decision Do you think Mary Lou should be included in the debate tomorrow night? I think so, yeah. Um, I know that they had been saying that they just wanted the debate to be between the potential uh, Taoiseachs. But, you know, going by the polls over the weekend, Sinn Féin are now ahead of Fine Gael and on a par with Fianna Fáil. So I don't see why she shouldn't be included. And um, I do think it'll make a more interesting debate as well. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of... Um, uh, comments about uh, about Michal Martin and, and Leo Varadkar being basically the same person so I think uh, Mary Lou will stir things up a bit and make it a little bit more
more exciting maybe yeah we'll wait and see all right listen thank you mm. for that Fiona who what, what constituency are we doing tomorrow and uh, we're going to do Cork Northwest. Cork Northwest. Okay, we look forward to that. We'll yeah. talk to you then. Have a good day. Thanks for that. You too. And bye bye. That is uh, our senior news reporter, uh, Fiona Corcoran, uh, with the constituency of Cork North Central. And as we will say to you throughout the week, and we'll be encouraging you right up to. We won't be here on Saturday to do it. We normally are. We're normally on air when the when the count polling stations are open of course it's a, it's a Saturday election day this week but we will be this time around encouraging you to exercise your constitutional right and make sure that you do get out and vote somebody wants to know about polling cards I well I certainly know I received my polling cards for our house they were out I'm sure when I went home on Friday the postman had been and I got them on Friday was it Thursday Thursday Friday certainly Friday anyway I have them the do I take it that the majority of people have their polling cards at this stage? I wouldn't panic if you don't. I mean, everyone who's registered, who's on the Register of Electors will get a polling card. So I wouldn't panic yet. We still have a few days yet to go. And as always, once you know for sure that your name is on the Register Elector or you made it onto the Supplementary Register, if you don't get a polling card, you can still show up. But I would, would certainly be advising you to bring some photographic ID uh, with you. But certainly, yes, polling cards are out. I certainly receive mine. John Paul taking your calls. 1850 Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from four on C103. The best in music, the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news. Drive time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom. The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020. See kellersofmacroom.ie. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. As I was saying, well done to Fiona Corcoran for her review of Cork North Central and she'll join us every day this week. We're taking a different constituency, five constituencies across Cork City and County. So we will take a different one every day this week and just take a look at all of the candidates. Likely outcome, likely winners, likely losers. And I think she's right. I think that the constituency we did today, Cork North Central, is probably the constituency where the result is the hardest to predict given the fact that only one of the TDs elected in 2016 is seeking to retain his seat because normally in most constituencies you will have outgoing TDs that you would expect are going to retain well some of them you would expect will retain their seats but that's not going to be the case in Cork North Central and somebody says Patricia can you confirm if candidates can find out if you voted for them or is this uh, confidential? Listen I've been at more counts over the years and I keep getting asked that question I'm the, I, I've been there when ballot boxes are opened and there is absolutely no way I mean if you even think about it when you go in to vote there is no marking on that piece of paper as to who has put one, two, three, four and five or in the case of a referendum who puts an X uh, in the box so there is absolutely no way now what I have and if, you, if you've been along to the count centre you will know that each of the political parties have people who are the tally people who are fantastic the, the way they're able to almost predict down to the vote what first preferences people are doing and what they do is they watch the votes come out of 
the different boxes and they're able to they are in, I think in all areas because each box is numbered where it comes from. So if you voted in your local primary school, you will have voted along with hundreds of others and all that vote goes in to the same box and the box gets opened at the count centre and they're tipped out. And in some cases, the tally people will be able to see out of a particular box how many votes did Fianna Fáil get? Did Fianna Gael get? Did Sinn Féin get? Did Labour get? And that's the closest they can know if an area was voting for a particular party. But there's absolutely no way that a candidate would be ever able to come back and say, you promised me you're number one and you didn't give it to me. And God knows, every candidate knows that when they go knocking on people's doors that people will promise them the number one, but they also deep down know that that person has probably promised the number one to so many others. But, you know, as I said with Fiona, with the way transfers go, your number two, your number three and your number four can be as important as that number one vote. 1850 333 103. Get your questions in for Annalise, please. She joins us in the next hour. Our nutritional therapist, or you can text or WhatsApp in a question for Annalise to 0862103103. Pat from White's Cross, listening to our coverage and the run-up to the general election, is wondering who dumped all of the election posters on the back road to Carrigan They're littered all over the road at what Pat says is a very busy junction. Major hazard if you break on them. Will people please cop on? Thanking you, uh, Patricia, says Pat from White's Cross, who adds to the text that it's every party. It isn't just one individual party. I mean, that's somebody scuttling. I don't think that's anybody involved in politics, uh, particularly if every party you know, if they were, for example, if there was just one parties was pulled down, you might be thinking, mm, somebody getting worried in that area about a particular candidate and they've sent out people to take down the posters. But if it's from every different party, then it's just people, a bit of skullduggery and scutting going on and more dangerous because Pat says if you if you braked on top of them, then it could lead to a very serious accident. So I don't know if any of the political parties are listening or anyone from a local tidy towns group or has the council been informed. But it is on the back road to Carrick Somebody needs to get out and get those posters tidied up ASAP, please. 1850 We've got a break. We've news at 12 midday. Annalise Drisella, nutritional therapist, joins us in the next hour. And we'll catch up with your calls and comments. It's all to come after news at 12. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Low Costfuel.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And some people still worried and concerned that when they go in to vote on Saturday that a candidate can find out who voted for them and who who didn't vote for them. And I made the point because I've been at enough count centres over the years that there is absolutely no way that any candidate can see a ballot paper and know that Johnny Murphy from down the road voted gave the number one to, to somebody else. Somebody says, but Patricia, a vote can be linked back to the number that's impressed on the ballot sheet. No, every single ballot paper is stamped and I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure, but I won't question that it's, it's, they're all stamped with the same indentation that's put on it. So there's, there's no way that it can be traced back that, back that way. But somebody else is picking up on that, says Patricia, I wish to inform you that there are two marks on the ballot paper. One is the punch mark, which I do not have a problem with because it's the same punch mark on every single 
ballot paper. But this texter says there's also a number on the back of the paper. I wonder what that is about. Now, I'll, I'll look into it for you and I'll try and find out uh, what it is. But, but if you think about it, if there was a way that candidates were able to find out exactly where they got their votes from and they were able to link it back to individual households, that would have come out many, many years ago. We would have had people in uproar talking about it. And I have never, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories along the way when it comes to various voting, but I've never heard anyone being able to say that they were able to find out who voted for who. And it's one of the, and, and they always say to you, you know, you fold the ballot paper so that when it goes into the sealed box that even the people sitting inside in the polling stations can't see who you have voted for. And somebody else is bringing up, why did they use, why do we use pencils? I remember we we discussed that before on the programme and I'm sure one of the reasons that it's a pencil is used instead of a pen is to do with the fact that if for some reason the ballot paper got wet in between you casting your vote and the box getting opened in the count centre, a pencil mark would remain in place where the fear would be if it was done with a pen, an ink or a biro, that it mightn't remain as clear, whereas a pencil mark will remain in place. I'm open to correction, but I'm sure that that was the reason that we were given as to why we use pencils instead, because it comes up every time. Why are we using pencils? And that's, I'm sure it's to do with the ballot paper getting wet. 1850 People are very worried, though, and very concerned about a candidate finding out who they voted or didn't vote for. I can see some questions coming in for Annalise. Can you keep those coming in to us, please? Um, some of your texts coming in on the election. Patricia, one of the major concerns for me now uh, is reaching pension age. It would not have come to light about Fianna Fáil's agreement with the Troika during the bailout to increase the pension age until there was uproar about it. My question is, what else have we been sold out on that we're not aware of? Uh, Thanking you. Um, Can I just say on that whole thing of the pension age, which I, I... frustrates the hell out of me as well. I think people work hard all their lives. I think when they get to the age of 65, I'd even cope with the 66 bit. But I think when they get to that stage in their lives, having paid into their taxes and paid the PRSI all of their lives, when they get to the age, those that want to retire should be entitled to retire and the state pension should be there for them. But when people say that this was hidden, it wasn't. I mean, at the time of the Troika, when we signed up for the bailout and we signed up for our children and our children's children been paying back this bailout for many, many years to come. I remember there was talk about the pension age back then, but because it was put on the long finger and we were told, oh, the pension age, it's back in 2012, wasn't it? The pension age will increase to 67, but it won't happen until 2021. And it just seemed like an eternity away. And nobody, oh yes, that's ages away. That'll never happen. And then the next one, I think it's it's um, 2028 is when it goes to 68 when you can't pick up your state pension. And again, it was like, it was almost like it was on the never, never. And suddenly, of course, the years rolled by very quickly. And suddenly we're up to the stage where people who are retiring this year are people who hit the age of 65 this year will now not get their pension until they are 67. And then if you were born any time from the 1st of January 1961, then you're not going to get your pension until you're 68, your state pension. And it is very unfair, but it was part of the agreement that had to be done. 
and it, it is annoying and it's frustrating and I can absolutely fully understand it but then I can also see on the other side the figures when you add up the figures and how many people at the moment are paying is it for every five workers we have one pensioner in I think it's by 2030 we, if we continue the way we're going and we're all living longer which is great we're only going to have two workers for every one pensioner I mean the figures just don't add up there's just not going to be enough money in the pot now what should be happening and hopefully is happening is that there's money being put away into that pot so that pension pot builds up so that we don't end up with a situation that we don't have enough money to pay all of the state pension the, the, the pensioners so the other side of it is if we go down the route of saying okay well we'll pay all of the pensioners at 65 which I have seen some of the political parties say that that's what they'll do do we then look to the workers of today and say, OK, well, will you pay more taxes every week in order that we can pay more pensioners? So workers will get frustrated with that for fear that by the time they come of age, the pension isn't pot isn't even going to be there for it. So I, I can see it from, from all sides, but I don't, think, I don't think it was ever hidden. It was just that it wasn't being spoken about because nobody was really worried about it because it was 10 years away. And she, I will worry about that when it happens. And suddenly it's hit and suddenly people are getting to that age and suddenly they're being told well you're one of the people that's going to be most uh, affected by it. 1850 If you are working in retail are you working in a bar are you working anywhere where the money gets handed in over the counter would you keep a look out for some counterfeit notes please? And we often call out messages like that and we give a warning if there is, there might be a particular town where they're being targeted with 50 euro notes or 20 euro notes. And certainly in the run up to Christmas, there was a couple of fraudsters were trying to target areas with counterfeit money. And they have a tendency that they might go in, you know, early in the morning, when a shop is opening up or late in the evening when people are trying to close up. And there's always the danger that they'll target young employees in the hope that they won't, they won't have a good look at the note to see that it is counterfeit but I tell you I was really baffled when I heard this and it happened at the weekend where a cafe was handed in a fake 30 euro note now it clearly says 30 on the note it looked a little bit like a 20 euro note but actually 30 was written on it it was Pip's Cafe in Delhi in in Dublin and one of the staff took in the bogus cash by uh, mistake the owner there went on Facebook now to joke that the employee had since been sacked after accepting the note but I think that was a tongue-in-cheek joke made. I don't think the young person was actually sacked but the person said be wary the notes that are doing the rounds in South Dublin and during the summer fake cash was being used by, as for movie props. It was some movie that was being filmed and that was circulating very heavily around Dublin. There was lots of businesses came forward saying we're getting this movie money uh, in and they were they were fake tens and twenties and they were circulating. But they were it was and movie movie money was printed on it. And if you felt it, it actually felt rubbishy. It didn't look like the real thing at all. So people were surprised that anybody tried to even pass it over the counter. But this one, and I'm assuming it was a young employee, took him this note. It was blue, so it did look like a twenty, but it clearly had thirty. Now I don't in any way well it didn't say in the Facebook post that she gave the change of a thirty euro note. Well we don't have thirty euro notes, but just be wary of it and make sure that you speak to 
younger staff members as well and uh, just make everybody aware that there are shysters out there who will try and get your hard earned cash from you 1850 John Paul taking your calls particularly taking calls for Annalise please or you can text 0862 or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie the Kayla Men's Sheds Group, they are meeting on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 o'clock. Now, they meet at the rear of La Kayla premises on Fair Street and on Wednesday evenings at the Youth Reach in Ballyellis in Mallow. All new members very welcome to join the Mallow Men's Shed. The Marion Players Panto in Rathmore, the old woman who lived in the shoe. That runs nightly on Wednesday the 5th, Thursday the 6th and Saturday the 8th at half past 7 also a matinee next Sunday at three in the afternoon. All proceeds will go to Kerry Parents and Friends Association if you'd like to book 085 135 1010. A HSC dietitian-led course for people with type 2 diabetes will run in Newmarket over four Wednesdays from the 26th of February to the 18th of March and also in Mallow over four Fridays. 25th of February to the 20th of March. It's a free course. It's open to anyone, whether you're newly diagnosed or you're managing diabetes for years. But you need to register by Friday the 14th of February by contacting Anne-Marie on 086 7871885. And Mitchellstown Walking Group are holding their Operation Transformation 2K and 5K walks and runs every Tuesdays and Thursday evenings with registration at 7 o'clock in the MLC. Free gym and karate classes on Wednesday at 7.15. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now last week we had a lot of callers and a lot of reaction to the news that drivers have been forced to undergo a second NCT test and this is due to a suspected fault with the underbody inspection lists at tent test centres and people were complaining about the fact that they'd have to go back a second time and some even went so far as to say they should be compensated or at the very least they should be given a free test. Christy is a health and safety consultant and he's got a kind of a different spin on this story. Good morning to you Christy. Good morning Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome to the programme. You're actually Thank a health you. and safety consultant and you do safety checks in garages. I do indeed. I do safety programmes for garages and safety statements for garages, Patricia. And one of the things that I would do first, I would check the lifts because of the people, you know, employees under lifts, which is highly dangerous. So I would check the safe working load of it, first of all, which probably is an issue here. And then I would check have an idea of the what weight of the cars or whatever it would be would be going on top of those. And obviously there's some little thing wrong here because when I see the one in the north of Ireland there, I see kind of the Tartarus filings and things like that. So obviously there was no checks being done it. And obviously there should have been checks. And you must do an annual check in them anyway. And under the 2005 Health, Safety and Welfare Act, the duties of an employer in actual fact is to have a safe place of work, safe plant and equipment. And that has to be checked, and if there's any change in circumstances or, if, or staff or equipment, 
that must be included in it and checked. So obviously there was something left out here, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And you know, when you say you do those checks, do you do every, uh, the garages that you do, do you go, is it a, it's a yearly check? Yeah, well, is that by law? Oh yeah, so under the 2005 Health Safety Law, you have to have a, produce a safety statement. That is to how you manage safety in the workplace. That is a legal obligation under the 2005 Health Safety and Welfare Act. And under the 2007 General Application Regulation, it deals with work equipment and the workplace. That is all included. But I would check all the garages, all the equipment to ensure that it was up to the standard and that it was safe. And I would then check, as I say, check the lifts. I would be, I would be totally tied up with lifts because you have people under them day in, day out. Now, the most worrying part of this was in actual fact is here is that this thing wouldn't have been checked at all only for the, the thing breaking in the north of Ireland. So obviously we were going well, to that, go on So does that, does that lead you to believe that those lifts in the NCT garages, they're almost 10 years old, I'm told, that yeah. they mustn't be checking them every year? Because as you say, it was only that it happened in the north with the MOT and then they realised, oh, we use the same ones down here in the south. That's yeah. then what's led the NCT to suspend that part of the test. But it would lead you to believe that they weren't checking them. Well, it looks that way. And to tell you the truth is, I mean, the employees should be made fully aware. There's locks and doors as well. And when I check the garages, the employees don't be made aware of these checks, how to check the locks and these. So obviously those lifts would be up there and no lock on them at times. And no one knows. And they wouldn't know really. Lots of these people wouldn't know the safe working load of it. They wouldn't have been told or made aware of it. So I, that's where I would make them aware. Now, the same with tire centres and things like that, where you would have lifts being used regularly. Like, And these people, lots of them wouldn't have been aware. But there's an obligation mm. on the employer to bring it to the attention of the employers, anything that affects them. And obviously, these are a private company that, well, I suppose in control of the Department of Transport and Mr Ross will be able to look after other parts of it. So uh, he is indeed. But you, you, as a health and safety expert, you agree with what the NCT centres have done in suspending that part of the test? No, you're, you're no, no, no. I don't believe that at all. And I, I was talking to John Paul this. There is no such thing, Patricia, as a half a test. Window dressing is no good in this. That's the last thing because, as you know, most of the damage and the most dangerous damage and where you would be doing a hazard identification, risk assessment, and the control. The risk assessment would be underneath the car where all the damage would be. As a result, may I say, in lots of cases, of the, the state of the roads, because you could have an NCT an hour ago and come back the second time after hitting a pothole and could fail. So that's the other side of it. So do you think the NCT, the Atlas, the company, should have gone down the same road as what they've done in the north with MOT and suspend all of the tests? Correct, that's the right thing, because well, this is window dressing. And it, it has no basis. I mean, how can you say, uh, bring it in, we look at it there, the top part of it. So underneath is where all the, the wear is and the track rodings and all those things, axles and bushings and all. You can't see them at all or they don't look at them. And the next thing you go as if everything is okay because we made a, a poop paw. Mm. That's been good enough, in fairness. And there isn't any such thing, I don't care what they say, as a half of this. It's yeah. Tested, it yeah, and it's unfair on people who have to go back and now you're driving around and you get, you're getting a failed certificate. They're actually failing you because you haven't done yeah. the visual and you know test. The, 
So I do not do the point I would be making this now. I hope that the Health and Safety Authority, and I do work actually kind of close enough to them as well, that they look at who was responsible for this and who will be made accountable for it, which is more important, because you would people all over the country under these lifts. Lord mm. God, Patricia, when you think of it, it's right, wouldn't it? Oh, my God, my God. The yes, thought of the lift snapping and an employee exactly. under it doesn't bear thinking about it. OK, listen, thank you for that. Right. Mine of information. Right, we'll talk thank again. You. God bless. That is uh, Christy, a health and safety consultant who works specifically in uh, garages. Good to get his uh, insight into it. Some of your texts coming in to me. Oh, can I? Oh, yeah, I just do a shout out on this because I need to get a call back. Um, a lady from the Roscarbury area was on to us to say that today is, of course, the Feast of St. Blaise and she missed the early mass. And she's wondering, does anybody know, is there any other mass anywhere in the West Cork area later on today, like an evening mass? I don't think there'll be an afternoon mass, there'll be an evening mass. She wants to get her throat blessed for St. Blaise Day. Anybody know of a mass? Anyone? She's in Roscarbury. In the West Cork area, there was a time when there would have been loads of masses in the morning and in the evening time, but there isn't any more. And I don't know on a Monday, maybe for the day that's in it, maybe that some church is having mass or maybe every Monday, maybe there are evening masses during the week as well, just with the shortage of priests. I don't know. So anywhere in the West Cork area where there's a mass on this evening where they will be blessing the throats for St. Blaise Day for our listener in Roscarbury. If you can help us with that one, please, 1850-333-103. And Mary has contacted us when we were t- talking about the elections, wondering, is this standard procedure across all nursing homes? Mary's husband is in a nursing home and he was asked for €50 Euro to have his vote transferred to the nursing home. And obviously he wants to vote and that's a really good thing to do. And he can't come out of the nursing home so he can't get to his no- normal polling station. So isn't it great that we have a facility that you can get the vote transferred and he can vote in the nursing home or maybe it's a postal vote. I'm not sure. Anyway, Mary says what annoyed her about the whole situation was they were asked to pay €50 Euro in order to have the vote transferred. A doctor had to sign the form to say that Mary's husband is now no longer living at the house but is now, his new address is is the nursing home. But Mary says it was an in-house doctor who signed the form. So why would it cost €50? And she said the nursing homes must be making tidy sum of money if everybody got their vote transferred and everyone was being charged €50. Yeah, because if it was the GP, for example, was coming in to see Mary's husband to sign the form, you'd say, ah, well, you know, come on, there has to be a payment involved there. Or if you went out to the GP to have it done, I could understand. But if Mary is correct and it's an in-house doctor is signing all of the forms, and I don't know how many forms had to be filled in, does sound, does sound like a lot of money. Anyway, Mary wants to know, is that common amongst all nursing homes or is it just the particular nursing home where Mary's husband is now residing. Has anybody else heard of that? €50 to pay the in-house doctor or a doctor to sign the form so that your vote can get transferred from your home address to the uh, nursing home. Eddie in Mallow, another one of the ones fuming over the pensions. Those that worked all their lives should be entitled to a state pension at 65, says Eddie. While those drawing social welfare all their lives, let them wait until they're 68. Why should... Oh, Eddie. Whoa. Well, I think a lot of people would agree with Eddie on that. Why should a worker who's worked all of their lives and paid 
into the pension pot why should they get punished while you will have people long term unemployed been out of work for many 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 years not as many of them as there once was but there are a cohort of people who for whatever reason will never work and Eddie's point is why should they get why should they be treated the very same as somebody who has paid stamps every single week 1850 back to the reason why we vote with a pencil and I didn't know this. Now, I was saying that I'd read or I don't, we'd done a piece a few years ago on it and it was to do with if the ballot papers got wet and it was ink, it would run. Whereas with a pencil, a lead pencil, it won't. Colm says another reason that they use pencils. If you make a mistake on the ballot paper, you can go to the presiding officer and say, sorry, I've made a mistake. The officer then will pass you an eraser. The officer won't come into the booth with you, but will pass you an eraser. You can rub out the mark you made, because you couldn't do that with a pen. I didn't know that. Thank you very much, Colm. There's another reason uh, for uh, it. Nell says, hi, now, that has to be a joke, right? Are ballot papers getting wet in a sealed box? You gave me a good laugh anyway. I bring my black pen with me, always to ensure that my ballot paper stays the same way that I mark it, says Nell, who texts us from Mallow. And she doesn't trust the pencil. <laughs> and obviously, it hasn't stopped your vote, I'm sure, being counted. I don't think I've ever seen a spoilt vote being judged spoilt because it was used with a pen. That might be worth asking actually Nell when you go in. Have you informed the presiding officer that you are using a black pen rather than a pencil? Interesting to see what the presiding officer has to say to you on that. And Joel says this is on people finding out who who, who voted for who, do you know? Uh, under the GDPR, surely candidates cannot even inquire about who voted for who. Absolutely not. And people worried about the marks that's on the paper. Someone else says, Breathe in Mill Street says, the number that's on a ballot paper is for counting the blocks of 50. No one can know how you voted. It is totally secure in on that. They will know where you voted. But that's about it. Yeah, I was making that point when a box is opened and is counted and the, the tally people can see where the box came from because the outside of the box is marked, you know, what polling station it came out of. Then the tally people will be able to say, well, that came from such and such an area and, you know, the village of wherever vote would have voted there. But that's about it. But there's no way, absolutely no way that it can ever be traced back to who voted for who and actually every this is from the official government website every ballot paper shall at the time of issue be marked with an official mark which shall be either embossed or perforated so as to be visible on both sides of the paper and for this purpose the returning officer should provide a sufficient number of marking instruments and that's now as to why they do it I suppose that's that, that's to make sure that nobody doesn't get their hand on a bunch of ballot paper and put them into a, a paper put them into a box it has to be actually perforated that's why they, they do it and the ballot papers shall be numbered consecutively on the back, this is the one that's catching some people, and the back of the counterfoil attached to each ballot paper shall bear the same number. The numbers on the ballot paper shall be printed in the smallest characters compatible with legibility and shall be printed on or about the centre of the paper. That's to do with the number that's on the back and nothing shall appear on the ballot paper except in accordance with those directions. But there's no name. There's no way of linking anybody to who has voted for who. I would hate people to be worried about that when they're going into the ballot box 
that they are fearful that somebody's going to find out whether they gave you your yay or your nay. I think Conor Kinty had mass this morning. Yeah, th- thank you for that. People are, are telling us where, where they got their throats blessed this morning. No, our problem is that our listener who is in Roscarbury, was it Roscarbury? Uh, is looking for someplace in West Cork. She missed the mass this morning. That's what happened. And she's trying to find another church ideally somewhere in the West Cork area, is willing to travel just on the day that she'd like to get her throat blessed. Or maybe some other church might be this afternoon outside of Mass Times doing a blessing of the throat. Anybody heard of that? Anyway, it's a lady in Ross Garby. She missed the Mass this morning was what happened. 1850 Let's take a break and let's come back with Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, answering all of your nutritional questions. Cork Today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie the count for election 2020 happens this Sunday. 18 new Cork TDs will be elected from five constituencies. Join C103 for an exclusive online programme from 6pm Sunday with live results, tallies, predictions and analysis. Download the C103 app and click on Election 2020 Cork or go to c103.ie to listen live. Plus, follow us on Twitter. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. For the very latest from all five Cork constituencies, Election 2020 Cork, live online this Sunday from 6pm on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Annalise Russell, our nutritional therapist from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And as always, inundated with questions. Let's get uh, straight in. OK, uh, a caller has a burning sensation in his feet. It feels like it's scalding. It come and go, comes and goes more in the evening than the daytime. And it can actually last for about 10, 15 seconds. But it's like a scalding sensation. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of that, Patricia. Um, it's actually common enough. Um, now, it could be a couple of things, but probably the first thing 
to do is maybe take a magnesium supplement because sometimes it can be a magnesium deficiency. Um, Certainly if if there's any cramping or pain, uh, it would definitely, that would, would more indicate that it was a magnesium issue. So you could either buy magnesium in the form of a gel or a spray and you'd rub it onto the feet morning and evening um, and then you'd notice that that burning sensation would become less and less. The other way is to take magnesium. Now, magnesium and calcium both compete for absorption. So if you take very high doses of magnesium, it may interfere with your body's ability to take the calcium it needs. So I always recommend that people take the high-dose magnesium at night time because at that way you've had your calcium absorption for the day so you're not too worried about it interfering with that. So take it a couple hours after your dinner, maybe in the evenings, and you can just go into your local health shop. They'll have nice um, magnesium that will um, be asking for an easy-to-absorb one. And then the second reason that it might be occurring is an iron deficiency. That could be the cause of the burning feet. So, um, So maybe go and get your bloods checked from your doctor. Make sure that you get the the iron and the B12 checked as well at the same time. And you could always take a supplement if you don't want to bother going to the doctor. Just try a supplement and see does that relieve it. Okay. All right. Um, Hi, Annalise. I I was diagnosed with a very leaky gut. I've cut out gluten, wheat and dairy for about three weeks now. I'm also taking BioCare GI Complex, digestive enzymes and magnesium. Haven't noticed any difference, though, in my foul smelling wind so far. How long does it take to heal the gut? Um, I suppose, like studies have shown, Patricia, that the gut will heal itself within 12 weeks after something like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, which can damage the gut. Um, but I suppose the gut is a complicated re- uh, piece of machinery, so it's there's different things that go on in there, and the symptoms may be nothing to do with leaky gut. Um, leaky gut is where the cells, the little protein junctions between the cells and the gut might become leaky, so um, you would have... Like from a naturopathic perspective, we would say that it's possible that you start exhibiting multiple food sensitivities because there's things getting across the gut barrier that shouldn't be and your immune system would be reacting to those. But for, for the foul sort of smelling wind, is more for me is a digestive issue um, and it generally is an indicator that you're not digesting your fats and proteins. So maybe the digestive enzyme that you're taking is not right. Um, you know, maybe it's not enough for you or it's not right. So you may need to experiment with those. The other reason why you might be having that type of wind is a food intolerance. So your immune system is actually unable to, um, you know, is reacting to a particular food and you're, you're, it's, it's not, it's causing a reaction in your gut. And that could be another reason for either wind, you know, either foul smelling wind or a lot of wind and bloating. So doing a food intolerance test might be the answer there. And if your gut became leaky and it went down to medication, food intolerance is a very common cause for that. So I think that needs to be ruled out there. Okay, Catherine. Hi, Annalise. Uh, What would you suggest for tiredness? I'm 55, menopausal, almost over it. I do have diabetes. I take two blood pressure tablets um, and cholesterol tablets. Uh, all of them thankfully are under control uh, but uh, and every day I walk three to four miles so keeping keeping health keeping busy um, but feeling tiredness just suggest for tiredness could be a couple of things there Patricia really Um, you see a lot of the first of all diabetes you know if if your blood sugar is I mean it seems to be under control here but that 
low blood sugars, if you've got type 2 diabetes, can cause tiredness. And when your blood sugar peaks as well, you'll also feel tired. So maybe, you know, maybe sugars need to be balanced a little bit better. The other thing is that the cholesterol tablet, um, the statin drug, also can cause tiredness. So it could be a side effect of that. And I'm not sure what type of blood pressure medication, but one of the blood pressure medications like a beta blocker can cause tiredness as well. So it could be down to the medications. Uh, Other common causes of tiredness are iron deficiency or B12 deficiency. It might be worth getting your your bloods checked in your doctor to see that they're right. And then I do think a lot of us do get a bit tired at this time of the year. And um, sometimes it might be, you know, people might be deficient in vitamin D. I know that I feel like a different person coming home from the sun holiday than before I went. Blast of vitamin D. Yeah, lack of vitamin D could be another reason. It could be diet related. So I'd suggest get your bloods checked and try a B vitamin just because B vitamins are generally the first line of defence when it comes to feeling tired. The source of life gold tonic is wonderful as well if you feel it's just a seasonal thing. At this time of the year, it's all, I'll always take a bottle of that, Patricia, in March because I feel in March I'm starting to lose, um, lose my energy as well. And there's a bit of ginseng in that, so it does give you an immediate energy boost, but it's packed so full of different superfoods and immune-boosting things, it really does work as a great tonic. Yeah, and we hear back great things from listeners who've, who've tried it in the past. Um, OK, Anna says, uh, Hi, Patricia Annalise. I have a DEXTA scan appointment this week and I've been asked not to take calcium supplements on the day of the scan, which, by the way, I don't take. I am on l and I take other supplements. Would Annalise advise that it will be preferable to skip all of these in the days ahead of the scan? Um, Now, to be honest, I don't know the answer to that, Patricia, because I'm not sure why they would... Actually, it's probably the reason that they don't want you to take the calcium on the day of the scan is that they don't want the blood calcium to um, maybe affect the results of the, the bone density where they're looking for the density of calcium in the bone. So that's possibly the reason. But I think maybe to be on the safe side, it probably would be good to not take everything the morning off. You can always yeah. take them when you go home. Yeah, whatever the supplements. I mean, the L-thoroxin you need for, for, I mean, if you stop taking that for a few days, you could feel quite tired. You could with feel the, exhausted. Yeah, and yeah, that so definitely won't that interfere one. with the scan. So yeah. you can take that possibly in the morning, but and I would say with the other supplements, wait you come home. Yeah. Hi, from Anne. Could you please help with dry eyes? Yeah, so dry eyes are fairly common, actually, Patricia, and I see it more in women than men for some reason. But the fish oils can work very well for that. And there is one that's particularly designed for uh, dry eye. It's called Optase, O-P-T-A-S-E, and you'll get it in health stores. Um, And it does take a little bit of time for it to work. So bear with it. You might be looking at three months before it'll work. So I think that that's possibly the best um, solution I think eating more fat in the diet as well, Patricia, I actually think that a lot of us are nearly afraid of fat because of, you know, the media and low fat diets, etc. And we're maybe lacking essential fats or we've too many saturated fats coming from animals that we're eating too much meat and cheese and we're not eating enough nuts and seeds and oily fish. So those fats, the polyunsaturated fats and um, that come from fish and vegetable, the, the vegetable plants, they're lovely and fluid. I mean, if you if you look at most of those oils, they're all liquid. So if they're incorporated into the cell, they keep the cell nice and flexible, whereas the saturated fats are more solid. So they can, you know, if they're incorporated into the cell, they, they, it can be harder. So those polyunsaturated fats are hugely important for um, cells that 
to prevent dryness, but also actually if you think about the function of the cell, which needs good communication in the cell membrane, it's brilliant for, you know, improving sensitivity to um, hormones and receptors. So all those fats are a really important part if you've got type 2 diabetes to improve the signaling. So make sure that every day you've got at least one portion of seeds in your diet, um, maybe a portion of nuts, have um, avocados regularly and eat oily fish three times a week. Okay, Mary says, uh, morning, Patricia. Question for Annalise, please. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis about four years ago and I've been taking metotrexic on a, thank you on and off since but it makes me very sick and I'd like to know is there any natural remedies that will prevent flare-ups oh yes uh, there is but the methotrexate and that's a very common I think most people who take methotrexate would feel violently ill on the day of taking it um, what is it? Is the- methotrexate. So actually it's a cancer drug, Patricia, but it oh. seems to dampen down the T-cell response for people who suffer from rheumatoid arthritis. So that um, is an autoimmune disorder where the T-cells of the body are attacking the joints, the okay. membrane between the joints. So methotrexate is one of the more common drugs used for that. Other drugs would be things like Humira, um, uh, and they're all designed to prevent the immune system from, um, you know, from the flare-ups. So from a natural perspective, you're looking at there's a, there's a whole raft of different things that would help. Again, back to the sort of the omega-3, the essential fish oils. These are actually very good as immune system modulators. They've got a really natural anti-inflammatory effect. So I would do a very high dose of fish oil. Um, most people, you wouldn't need anything like this on a daily basis. But for somebody with rheumatoid arthritis, you should be looking up of two to three grams of a fish oil or two to three thousand milligrams is what will be. So you'll be taking at least a double or treble dose of the highest strength ones that you'll find in the um, health shops. Turmeric is another natural anti-inflammatory. You've got Boswellia, which comes from frankincense. That's a great natural anti-inflammatory. Vitamin D is really important. Um, Now, a study recently showed that giving vitamin D to people with autoimmune disorder didn't improve their symptoms. Um, And it came from, that study was based on um, an observation that people with rheumatoid arthritis generally had a lower um, blood vitamin D than people who were healthy. So I think it it may be important to go and get your blood vitamin D checked and then dose yourself accordingly because you may be one of those people and there may or may not be a link. So you can see there's quite a few things available but generally with rheumatoid arthritis, Patricia, the immune system has become um, overactive in terms of, you know, it's fighting itself instead of invaders. And I find that people with rheumatoid arthritis or other autoimmune disorders often have IBS. So I think that the, it's being driven by the gut. I think the gut is, is kind of, um, has been the trigger in, in switching the immune system to overvigilance. So I think you need to get that sorted if that is a problem for you because everything else is only going to work as a plaster effect. Okay. Hi, Annalise. I have a problem with reflux. I've had it for years. I've had several endoscopes and I've been put on Nexium. However, I read on the internet they say that it's not good to be on Nexium long term. Is there an effective alternative? I have a hiatus hernia which is probably the cause of the problem. I've recently been told I am just over the reading of 43 for diabetes. Would you have a suggestion to be my readings within the safe level of blood sugars. I hate taking medicines. Okay, well, sometimes you do need medicine, and it's wonderful when it works. You know, it does save lives. So, I think that the um, the the thing with the hiatus hernia is that that is 
more than likely what is causing the heartburn. And there is a very real risk of something called Barrett's esophagitis, which is a cancer of the um, esophagus caused by high stomach acid. So if there is a history of that in your family, um, you're actually better off taking the medication, even though there are long-term side effects from it. Uh, but it, if it prevents you getting throat cancer, you know, esophageal cancer, it, 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 that's a positive benefit of it. But the natural alternative that you could try would be a combination of two products. One is called Slippery Elm, um, and BioCare do a lovely Slippery Elm with some marshmallow and gabaritinol that's really healing for any um, of the, the cells in the esophagus that have become inflamed from acid. Um, and the second product is something called zinc carnosin, C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. And that can be very helpful for um, helping the little valve at the top of the stomach to tighten up and prevent leakage of stomach acid up. So you could try that for a period of a month. If it's not working after a month, I'm afraid you're going to have to stick on the medication. Um, and then the second question about diabetes and blood sugar. So if you want to bring your blood sugars under control, the quickest way to do that is to follow a no-carbohydrate diet. So if you go onto the internet and t- look for no carbo, zero carbohydrate or very low carbohydrate diet, what you're going to do is you're going to be cutting all bread, pasta, potatoes, fruit. It's a tough diet. Sweet. It's tough, but it does bring the blood sugars under control fairly quickly. Okay. And then you can always reintroduce the carbohydrates back afterwards at a, at a slower level to see what works well for you. Okay. Well, Phyllis, uh, can you, the name of the tonic, please, at Source of Life, isn't it? The Source of Life Gold. It's by a company called Nature's Plus, and it comes in a kind of a white bottle with a gold top. Uh, Eamon and Charleville would hemp oil is hemp oil good for Parkinson's disease um, and could you use it while taking other medication like warfarin and elthoroxin so um, the CBD oil is actually the one that can be very beneficial for Parkinson's like the hemp the hemp plant has got multitudes of different uses um, and hemp oil is often used actually as a salad dressing but the different bread plants will have different properties and it's the hemp that's bred to have high levels of the cannabinoids, the CBDs, um, that can be very good for Parkinson's. So they actually work on the opioid receptors. And I do have a couple of, um, a good few customers actually taking it for Parkinson's. And they say it helps with the, you know, they can write properly now again. And one customer has even started driving again, which is great. So I would suggest that you try the high dose one. And the Cannabi Gold um, is the one that I stock in the shop and one of my other customers told me that it was on BBC programme voted the number one as being the best in, um, of all the different ones on the market. So I've seen good results with that and you need to go for the high strength one and give it a go for four to six weeks. You may need to double up on the dose to see what works best for you uh, but it can help very well. Um, technically it could possibly thin the blood so maybe just mention it to your doctor if you feel it's working well for you and you want to stay on it but it has no impact with Eltroxin whatsoever so it's perfectly safe with that. Okay, we'll leave it there. We'll talk next week. Thank you for that. Thanks Patricia. Thanks for joining us. That's Annalise Drussell, the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. Mass is on tonight in Kilco. 
Church that's between Skibbereen and Bandon for the blessing of the throats that's at half past six and there is a mass this evening in Cool Derry Church that's in Kilmichael Parish that's at eight they'll also be blessing the throats and someone was on to say half seven Carrick Navarre tonight if you want to get your throat blessed My apologies Kilco Church uh, where Mary was on about mass for the blessing of the throats is between Skibbereen and Ballydehob My apologies Skibbereen and Ballydehob That's where I leave it for today Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Ritchie for the afternoon. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cozy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.